Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. Wall Builders Live is a place where we talk about the hottest topics of the day from a biblical, constitutional, and historical perspective. And that conversation takes place with David Barton. He's America's premier historian and the founder of Wall Builders, with Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, and myself, Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's constitution coach. Now, I say it takes place between the three of us, but it also usually involves a special guest, which is going to be coming up in the middle of our program today. But first, I want to encourage you to visit our websites today, wallbuilderslive.com and wallbuilders.com. Now, I throw those out there. If you never heard the word wall builders before, if somebody just sent you this link or you found us on a podcast uh, you know, app on the, on your phone or, or maybe you just happen to be driving and you're listening to us on one of the 300 stations we're on across the, the country, um, wall builders, you need to know what that means. It, it, it comes from a scripture in Nehemiah that says, arise and rebuild the walls that we may no longer be a reproach. And what was happening there was that without the, the, the outer walls of that city, you were run over. It was essential to the strength of the country. And so about 30 years ago, God put on David Barton's heart to create an organization called Wall Builders to, to rebuild the walls. He was reading through Nehemiah over and over and over again and seeing how God uh, restored the nation and said, how can we do that in America? And, and, it be, and it comes down to restoring the foundations, the principles that make a nation great in the first place. And so that's what we do here at Wall Builders. And, and, and we do that mostly through this discussion here on the radio program about how to bring back a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective, but then not just discussion, but actually taking action in the community. And that's where you come in. Uh, Of course, we do that all over the nation. We do that in our own communities, but we're challenging you to do the same thing in your community. And we want to equip you as best we can. We do that here on the program through what we believe, and people tell us, is an entertaining discussion of these things, and and also through tools that that will, in in an entertaining and, and inspiring way, equip you to be a good citizen. It really just comes down to that, teaching good civics and showing people how to be good citizens and how to live out the freedom that we've been blessed with. And those tools are available to you at those websites I mentioned earlier, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. All right, guys, later in the program, we've actually got a Patriot Academy grad going to be on the show with us. She uh, she learned how to fight for free speech, and uh, she's doing that at Oklahoma State University, a lawsuit that's been filed there uh, dealing with some additional free speech issues. But, you know, we've talked about this here on the program for a long time. You remember, um, you know, FIRE and other organizations that um, uh, have been trying to deal with this snowflake, you know, safe space, all of this other stuff at, at college campuses, trying to silence students when they say something that's not part of the narrative or part of the woke culture. Um, used to be the arena of ideas. I'm not so sure there's an open uh, arena on college campuses these days, certainly not state colleges. Well, it's interesting. We see a lot of stuff going on now that really has its roots back how long has COVID thing been going? Is that three years? Or is that four we're years now? Almost at, we're right at three years, guys. Okay, so three years COVID. And at the time we saw it going on, we were saying, where are the courts? Why, why aren't they stopping this to, to say that churches are not essential, to say that you can't have free speech, to say that you can't counter the narrative of, of scientists who are presenting one side? Well, it's now turning out that, you know, the courts are getting it. It just takes a while to get through the courts. And, and so, like, over the last several months, I don't know that I've seen that we've lost a COVID vaccination case where it's been forced vaccinations and whether it was private businesses or whether it's medical professionals or whether it's military or anything else, the courts are now saying, wait a minute, you you can't force people to say this or do this or have this vaccination or whatever. And so we're seeing a lot of that really play out. And 
And part of the narrative from three years ago was, look, you have to follow the science, and, and science is uncontested. Well, we followed it, and now we contest a whole lot of what we've been told three years ago. And then we find out that, that a lot of, of what we should have known three years ago and what a lot of us thought was actually out there. But then the federal government is colluding with big tech to censor that and make sure you can't post those, those informational pieces and those, those findings and those studies. And, and so now that's starting to come out. And so what we're seeing is the courts are, are really starting to catch up with what a lot of us intuitively knew was unconstitutional back at the time and was not accurate at the time. Um, there are people devoted to constitution and truth, and there are people devoted to science, no matter what it says, unless it disagrees with what I believe. And they were kind of in charge of the government back then. And so whether it be the Fauci's or anybody else, and isn't it interesting that once Republicans get control of Congress, Fauci decides it's time for him to resign. So you know that the narrative has been going that way, and we're seeing it in cases. And so, Rick, you mentioned fire and ADF and these guys. I think it was like six years ago that more than 80% of college campuses did not allow free speech on the campus outside of a free speech zone. You had to go to a little 10 by 10 square on the backside of, of, of the university across two interstates or whatever it was, and you can have free speech there, but you can't have it in the classroom. It's always ridiculous. And so FIRE and ADF and these other guys, I don't know that they've lost a case where they've challenged these universities on free speech. They're winning. And last I saw, we're now down to less than 20 percent of universities have these kind of free speech restrictions on what you can and can't say, whether it be about COVID or about faith or anything else. So it, it really, the courts are, are getting it right and it's moving in the right direction. And as you look at it, I mean, Madison Ferris, Rick, went through with you guys on, on Patriot Academy, and here she is at Oklahoma State University, which is a fairly red state. As a matter of fact, Oklahoma will tell you they are the reddest of the red states. Every single county in the state voted Republican in the last election. Uh, no, other, no other state did that, we're told. So this is a super red state, and yet they are super progressive, uh, super blue at the rural kind of university, which is Stillwater, which is Oklahoma State, which is, they call themselves the Cowboys because that was kind of a redneck school in some ways. And I don't mean redneck pejorative. I just mean it was a country school with country values. And now here's Madison, and she's not allowed to, to have free speech as the editor of the, the campus newspaper and other things. They've come after her. And so it's an interesting story, and the courts are getting it right, and, she, I, I, and she's going to win this thing, and it's going to go all the way through. But it's just a good indication of still how bad universities are and, and so many campuses, public school campuses and others. But it's a good victory case that we get to hear from Madison. All right, Madison is going to be our special guest, folks. Stay with us. You're listening to The Wobbler Show. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. As the American War for Independence began, the president of Yale was the Reverend Naftali Daggett. When New Haven, the home of Yale, came under attack, about a hundred citizens rushed out to meet the British. The Reverend Daggett galloped by them on horseback, his clerical robes flowing behind him in the wind, and he took up a solitary position atop a hill. The 2,500 British soon put the townsfolk to flight, but the Reverend Daggett continued to stand alone, firing down on the advancing troops. A British officer confronted him. What are you doing there, you old fool? If I let you go, will you ever fire again on the troops of his majesty? Nothing more likely was the preacher's reply. America's early pastors personally confronted danger and courageously led their communities. 
For more information on Pastor Daggett and other Colonial Patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Thanks for staying with us. Madison Ferris is with us. Just watching her on Fox News the other night. She's a Patriot Academy graduate and thrilled to have you on. Madison, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So what is going on at Oklahoma State? I, You know, this is supposed to be in the middle of a red state. And I almost went to law school there, by the way. But uh, anyway, what's going on with the free speech crackdown at Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, you are definitely right. You would think that Oklahoma is very red and that we wouldn't have trouble with this, but we are, uh, Oklahoma State is not immune to uh, leaning liberally. Uh, the mayor of Stillwater has even described uh, like Stillwater as a liberal oasis for yeah. Oklahoma. Um, and so what we're seeing right now is an organization called Speech First has identified three policies at OSU that violate the First and Fourteenth Amendment. Um, and they've gone through this uh, lawsuit process with other schools, and they've been successful every time. Um, so we're looking to see Speech First uh, really win this lawsuit against OSU for having uh, policies that go against the First Amendment. And, and, and I mean, obviously, the whole college, you know, atmosphere has been uh, woke for a, a, a long time and, and very... Uh, unwelcoming of any view that doesn't go along with these uh, these leftist ideas, and and I you know I've tried to tell people in red states, listen, you think it's not happening in your backyard, it absolutely is. So this is further evidence of that for sure. Uh, what got what got speech first uh, alerted to what's happening at o- OSU, and and uh, kind of what's the you know what's the next step in their lawsuit? Yeah, so I am very proud to have put OSU in the news uh, a year ago for free speech issues after they kicked me out of my editor-in-chief position for the paper, uh, the student newspaper, the Ocali, when I went against what the faculty would have preferred was printed. Um, But, you know, journalism is all about printing what somebody else doesn't want to have printed. And I believe I was speaking on behalf of a lot of students. And so, you know, we've seen OSU in the news quite a bit recently for free speech violations and Things like that, but well, back back that, back up to that. What was the what was the topic? What was the uh, what was it that you were wanting to write about that they didn't want you writing about? Yeah, so I published two separate columns. The first one was more of a creative writing, um, just basically asking the school to stop micromanaging student social lives during the COVID the pandemic um, because we were so just masks were just so strictly enforced, and so many students just wanted that to stop. And, you know, after time and time again, the restrictions just kept getting extended and it felt like there'd be no end to all these policies. Um, And then, you know, I got a lot of support for that first column. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do another one. And I wrote a column about how the fact that Oklahoma State University was allowing professors to individually require masks of their students directly violated Senate Bill 658 that had just been signed by the governor in Oklahoma. And so I wrote that you know, OSU was violating state law and that they needed to stop. And they did not enjoy being called out by a student (laughs) um, and asked to follow state laws. Um, And I I called it, I think in the article, I literally called it laughable, their approach to try and uh, go through a loophole in the, the Senate bill. So I obviously, they did. Let me, let me drill down on that just a second, just so I understand exactly what, you know, so they, you know, like most universities had this ridiculous mass policy that was unscientific and and mm-hmm. and and I think violated individual rights, but it completely unscientific doesn't didn't help with 
uh, stopping COVID or any of that stuff, but they continued to do it as a university until the legislature in Oklahoma said, no, not not within the state of Oklahoma. We're not going to allow this to happen. And so they tried to do an in run by individually in the classrooms, uh, professors being able to to somehow require it. And and you called them out. So no, you, you're violating state law with this with this in run. I, I don't know if you I, I can't remember when you did the article, if it addressed the scientific side of it, too. But bottom line is they didn't like being called out. And so what did they do to retaliate against you? Yeah, so I was called into a board meeting um, with my editorial board and all of these people I had individually hired because, you know, I was editor in chief. So I had chosen my board members um, and they told me, they said, we are going to quit unless you do. And I said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to quit. So I'll see you at work on Monday. And I go home and all of the passwords for all of our programs had been changed. I'd been locked out of everything. I was you know, unable to do my job, but I, I emailed our advisor and I told them, I told all of them, I'm not quitting. You're going to have to fire me. Um, and after just being cold shouldered and just not hearing any responses from anyone, I submitted a letter of forced resignation and um, because they didn't publish the paper for the first time. And I don't know how long, um, but they refused to publish the paper so long as I kept my position. And so I submitted a letter of forced resignation and I immediately um, alerted Young America's Foundation, and that kind of uh, kicked off a lot of uh, the news coverage for it. And uh, to this day, I still haven't heard from any of these people. The school has not um, made any strong effort at all to resolve any of this. There's been zero comment, zero acknowledgement of any of it. So it's been kind of kind of crazy. Well, my goodness. Well, let me just back up and say hats off to you. I am so proud of you as as a you know part of the Patriot Academy family. Uh, and I just want to quote because I agree with this one thousand percent. You said in one of those articles, "It is more than a mask; it's control. It's control over my choices, desires, and body. I will not allow any institution to take away my right to decide for myself what is best and to make my own decisions, or to take away the rights and decisions of others." Enough is enough. Um, I mean, just courage is contagious. And and I was gonna I was gonna ask you. You know, if if this if the college campus life is like a bubble, you know, if, if they by forcing these masks and all that stuff for so long, did people on campus, even, you know, students just think that that was normal? And they because they were in the bubble of the campus life and just got used to it or what? Because I would have expected the, that board to stand with you. I would have expected more students to come alongside you. And and the fact that so few, you know, most were sheep and very few were, were lions like you. Do you think it was because they were just in the bubble and they just didn't realize uh, this is really <laughs> this is not normal? I mean, wh- they kind of got lulled into it. Wh- wh- how did you assess that? Yeah, so I mean, you said the the key word right there, sheep. Uh, I think that so many students on American campuses today have not been raised in homes that taught them to think for themselves. They've been raised to just accept what other people say. Um, and, you know, listen to people in authority. And you can ask my mom, there's not a single day in my life where I just decided, oh, well, today I'm going to listen to the people in charge. I've been questioning authority since the day I was born. <laughs> um, and so it's just not my style. Uh, but I think, you know, we during the COVID years, we saw OSU putting out videos like encouragement, encouraging videos, telling us how to hang out with our friends. And you would see people like two I'm assuming they were just interns or whatever for the social media team, Um, but two individuals posing as students and they would be wearing masks and standing six feet apart and they'd go for a walk on campus. 
And then they'd set up their like picnic blanket six feet apart. And oh they'd be goodness. like, it's okay to hang out with your friends. You just have to do it safely. Oh and my goodness. in reality, you're going to walk into the student union and see students eating lunch together. And no one, it was absolutely ridiculous. But I do think that so many students just blindly accepted the unscientific, completely unrealistic idea that this mask was going to save us all. Yeah. Yeah, they just they just they just bought it. Uh, they just mm-hmm. bought it. Oh man, embarrassing. Okay, so so you went through all of that, and then um, you know when speech first got involved, what what did they start going after that that OSU was doing? Yeah, so I um, and you're still there, right? Are you still on campus? Yes, I am. Yes, I graduate in May. All right. Well, congratulations. I'm almost free. Be glad Thank to get you. get out of there and get free. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I uh, know. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what, okay. So then, yeah, take me from that. That all happened. What was that? Fall of 21, whenever most of this happened for you? I believe so. Yes. And yeah. then last semester is when the speech first investigation began and then they just announced it last week. So I believe that they've taken, like I said, they've taken the same approach at other universities. So they landed at Oklahoma State, saw that the policies existed. Um, and they have uh, members here, and that's how they're able to pursue legal action is because there are some members of Oklahoma State University that are also members of Speech First um, and are able to, you know, use that in all the legal processes. And it, I'm not a lawyer, but they've told me it works, so I believe it. Uh, <laughs> and they, yeah, they're suing on these policies and claiming that all that these students are affected and that we have uh, chilled speech is one of their main concerns that just on campus students have chilled speech, suppressed speech, and that that doesn't create a positive learning environment at all. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's, just, it's the opposite of what used to be the arena of ideas, right? Where you could debate this stuff. You could say, hey, I'll fight and die for you to say what you believe, even though I disagree with what you believe. And uh, boy, it's not that way anymore. So it takes, you know, lawsuits like this. It takes, first of all, students like you with the backbone and the courage to stand up and 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 speak your mind and speak what you believe, and then to be willing to take the bold steps that, that you did uh, whenever they tried to clamp down and chill your speech. Uh, what an example you are, and and I just I'm thrilled to highlight your story today and and highlight what's happening at OSU. Um, you know, I, I I pray that the that this lawsuit changes things around there. And I know you know you're still there. You got to endure a few more months. So you got to be you know deal with this for a few more months, but um, it, it does seem like the 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 how do I say this the in, entrenchment of the leftist is um is so strong. I mean, what 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 would you say? Just in I'm trying to ask this the right way. What would you say in general to the university world? Is it salvageable, <laughs> or is is it going to take a massive uh, change of mindset um, in terms of where to get educated and how to get educated in order to finally break the hold that the left has on university campuses? That's a big question for you and a broad yeah. subject. We could spend another 30 minutes on it, I'm sure. But what's your gut say about that? You're in, you're there. You're what you're dealing with it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say that there are definitely a few factors that we can highlight in that. We can highlight that a huge conservative talking point recently is the fact that college is useless and that it's a waste of time. And so you have about 50% of America, I can say safely, that believes that college is becoming worthless. We have the idea of free college and free education, which if you're a simple, knowledgeable person, you know that that's going to diminish the value of the education that's offered. Um, Because if, you know, if college is free, anyone has it, then it's not a brag anymore to have a college degree at all. Yeah, yeah, it devalues it completely if everybody's got it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So we're losing value in the college education there. 
um, the quality of the content that's being offered is not very valuable either. 90% of the things that I've learned at college have been because of opportunities that I had because I could call myself a college student and apply for internships or conferences. I've, I would not say that I've learned very much in the classroom at OSU, but that could just be because I'm in the social sciences. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so those are just a couple things that I would say definitely affect the idea of college. Yeah. And then you have a generation that is genuinely incapable of achieving academic success. And so I really don't know which way it's going to turn. I would tell anyone considering uh, a college to try to avoid a state institution if possible. Um, but, you know, really, really decide if college is what you want to do. It was the right choice for me, and I'm glad that I did it, but I'm so excited to be done. <laughs> well, and it's uh, it's formative, too. I mean, these fights you've been through, um, I, and, you know, I can tell you from 30 years ago doing, being in those those types of situations, um, it 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 – it's a way of God preparing you, Madison, for whatever he's got for you. And it may be, you know, years from now or maybe whatever your next phase is going to be. But all of those experiences, and of course, we know this biblically, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I know you are. And um, so I, I'm thrilled that, that you went through this. I'm thrilled that that uh, that you've set this example. Um, and I, and I want to, before I let you go, what's next for you? What do you plan to do um, after May? Yeah, so I I think I could enjoy doing so many different things. Um, my horizons are very open. I've obviously been fortunate enough to make a lot of connections. Um, but I would say I look back over my college experience. I have been to three different colleges. I went to a community college in Kansas, and then I transferred to a private journalism school in New York City, and then COVID happened, and now I'm here. Um, and I would say that I enjoy uh, the trust fall with God. Because every time I try to plan where I'm going to go next, I just it just gets turned upside down. So I have stopped <laughs> trying to make the plans for myself, and I am just so excited to see where God leads me in May. Well, we would uh, we would love to see you back at Patriot Academy this summer, and just love being able to to you know watch what God's doing in your life, and um, just look forward to hearing what's next for you, and, and really appreciate you coming on today to share with our listeners. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. All right, folks, stay with us. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court recently overturned the jury sentence of a man convicted of the brutal murder of a 71-year-old woman because the prosecuting attorney had mentioned a Bible verse in the courtroom. Yet consider what happened in the 1778 case, Respublica versus John Roberts. 
Thomas McKean, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, was the Chief Justice of that court, and addressing John Roberts after the jury had sentenced him to death for treason, McKean told him, You will probably have but a short time to live. Before you launch into eternity, it behooves you to repent of your evil deeds, to be incessant in prayers to the great and merciful God to forgive your manifold transgressions and sins, to teach you to rely upon the merit and passion of a dear Redeemer. This prominent founding father actually delivered a salvation message to the defendant in the courtroom. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. We're back here on the Wobbler Show. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Madison Ferris for joining us today. And thanks to Madison Ferris for standing firm, uh, standing up. Uh, young people doing that all across the country, not just young people, uh, people in every community. So this is what it takes to change these things, guys. It, it does. And and as you mentioned, man, kudos to her. Uh, it, <laughs> the situation she found herself in just is seemingly ridiculous, and yet it's becoming more and more common. And we've, I mean, we've said, I feel like now so many times on the show, I know off air we talk about it all the time, Pretty much every time we travel and we do Q&A with people, we're recommending them. Like you, you need to seriously consider if, if you should be sending your kids to college. If you're, if you're a young person, you need to seriously consider, is college for me? Because largely what it is is an indoctrination camp where they want to punish you if you don't conform to their whims and ideology, to their secular positions, their, their secular humanist positions, right? their anti-God movement. And that's not something that most of us should be sending or willing to send our kids into. And if you're a young person, I mean, again, you need to pray about this. If, if you feel God is calling and leading you to something that requires a degree, if you're going to be an engineer, please go get a degree, right? I want to make sure that bridge, that road we're driving on, I want to make sure it works. If you're going to be a doctor, please go get a degree. But for so much of what people do in their everyday life, degrees are not as valuable as they were. They're not a necessity where for even a lot of vocations, degrees used to be a necessity. They're not anymore. You, you can do so many more things in this modern culture without a degree. If you are a person of character, integrity, if you have a work ethic, who you are as an individual is now much more important than college. And so now not right discounting. If you're in college, man, God bless you. Hope you're making a, a, a difference impacting those around you as Madison is doing. But Unfortunately, guys, even when you're looking at the red states in Oklahoma, where you would think, man, this shouldn't be a problem at all, we are seeing that some of these are still problems. So kudos to her for having the courage, having the backbone to not back down, as one of our good friends, Kelly Shackelford from First Liberty, told us many years ago. On most of these cases dealing with the Constitution or freedom of speech, religious liberty, we win nearly all of these cases if the person going through it will simply have the courage to stand up and fight back. And Madison absolutely had the courage to stand up and fight back. So man, great job, Madison. Proud of you in this moment and encourage other people on your campus, whatever you're doing, have the courage to stand up and speak out for truth. And if you're a young person, if you're a parent of a young person, you need to start thinking and praying about whether or not college makes sense for them based on maybe what they feel God is leading or calling them to do. But good job for Madison standing up in this situation. We thank you for coming alongside us. Uh, if you go to the website today at wobblerslive.com, you can make that contribution one time or monthly. You can also sign up to be a, uh, a on our email list and, and share those emails with your friends and family. You can grab these programs right there on the website and, and send them out on Facebook and Twitter and other social media tools. And then you can go to constitutioncoach.com and sign up to host our Constitution class in your community. Be sure and check that out today as well. Thanks for listening today. You've been listening to Wobblers Live. Stand undivided